the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Friday, Friday, June 10th. So you know what we do on Fridays? It's Fighting Fridays. We're fighting each other on Fridays. Maybe we are. Are we? Are we fighting each other in the YouTube chat? I have no idea. Suki Singh here, early as usual. Hog Lawrence here as well. Good morning. Hit the thumbs up button on your way in the door. Helps us out. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. If you're coming here for baseball stuff, we got Grinders Live later today. We got Crunch Time. We got a FanDuel strategy video for premium members. If you want to, if you want to subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium, I would I would suggest you do the combo premium package because you get baseball, you get MLB, you get basketball, you get NBA, you get uh, golf, PGA, you get to play PGA, you get MMA. Right, you get MMA. I uh, we recorded a two-hour podcast, the Ground and Pound podcast, and that's behind the paywall. Roto Grinders Premium. The expert survey for MMA should be coming out uh, later today. We got some uh, uh, MMA projections. We got to change some of the ownership. One of the fights got canceled. Uh, so so subscribe to Roto Grinders Combo Premium. Click on that link in the description, and you get ten dollars off your first month. But like I mentioned, uh, the Manel Cop. Rogerio Bonterin fight has been has been scrapped. Uh, Bonterin uh, was four and a half pounds from making weight and then had to go to the hospital. Uh, I don't think he should be cutting to 125. He probably should be fighting at 135. And now that fight is off. So now we're down to an 11 fight card. And the less fights that get that they go down, the less I like like the slates. Right? The less uniques, the less do the more duplication there there tends to be. Less options. Now there's only 22 fighters to choose from. Obviously, there'll be sub like 1% on some of the, the two canceled fights, right? You'll see 0.4% on you. It's okay. So there's a little bit of rake reduction. People forget to change their lineups or whatever. But now COP was uh, 9,200 and Bontarine was 7,000. So now that creates an even bigger gap between Valentina Shevchenko at 9,600 and the next price fighter at 9,100. There's a $500 gap right there so uh if you're rostering Sevchenko, i mentioned this on, on the podcast okay because it's going to be a talking point around around the the mma community dfs community about Shevchenko. okay for 500 dollars more obviously that that curtails your lineup a little bit because you're paying a lot for Shevchenko. uh is she going to score enough points okay she's obviously she's in a five-round fight she's in the co-main event right? Five round. There's two five rounders on this slate. Uh, she's a minus 550 favorite. I didn't update the odds for today, but I don't think anything has dramatically changed. Uh, I, I did last night. Uh, minus uh, 85% win probability, 43% inside the distance within five rounds, 19% in the first round. Uh, her, her metrics, she she's not just a striker. She grapples. She does everything. Okay? So if this fight goes five rounds, and she wins, she probably puts up 100-plus points, right? Now, people will make, make a, a point to say that Tyler Santos is much more physical than her past uh, than Shevchenko's past cu- couple of opponents, but Santos's strength of schedule is a little bit suspect, you know, beating Wood, beating, what, Jillian Robertson, Molly McCann, uh, Montefiore. Like, it's not, it's, it's okay. You, the people on the down, the down swings of their career and Shevchenko is a humongous step up. I mean, she's arguably the greatest pound-for-pound fighter in women's MMA history. Uh, 
So the likelihood, if Shevchenko wins, she probably puts up 100 plus points, okay? She probably does. Now, you're going to be like, well, she has to beat out Choi. She has to beat out Allen. She has to beat out Jiri, right? The, the guys right underneath her for much less, right? Choi's 9,100, Allen's 9,000, Jiri's 8,900. Jiri's the favorite in the, in the main event, five rounder. But that fight, I, I'm not sure it goes past round two. Right, I think he, I think either Jiri knocks out Glover or Glover uh, that implements takedowns, gets him down on the ground within the first two rounds and submits him. It'll be one of the two. Probably doesn't last five rounds, but most likely that that Prashaska Glover fight, the winner puts up a hundred, about a hundred in those also. <clears throat> now people will say, well, if Choi puts up, let's say Shevchenko only puts up a hundred and five or something like that, hundred and five, and then Choi puts up 110 or Allen puts up 110 Jerry puts up 110 something like that on an 11 fight card especially now that we got top gone also at 9200 it all depends on what the underdogs do on this slate now I like I love these types of slates where outside of that Shevchenko Santos fight these fights are much closer than we, we don't have multiple minus 400, minus 500 fights. We don't have a minus 1,200. We don't have like Romanoff on that slate, minus 1,800 or something like that. So even Brendan Allen was the next biggest favorite currently at a 75% win probability, right? So his opponent is Malcoon down here at plus 250. But I mean, look, like Kulabau is plus 190. Whenever I see like a one, a plus one, like those are close enough fights. Those are two to one, you know, 66, 33 types of fights. And we most, other than the Shevchenko fight, pretty much all of them are that. Can you really trust Brendan Allen? Yeah, he's a minus 300 favorite, but I wouldn't be shocked if Malcoon won spamming takedowns. So it's like all these other fights in the, in outside of the Shevchenko fight, I could see the, I could see the dog winning. Right, I, I I have in my expert survey on this slate that uh, there's a good there's a good likelihood that there are four plus underdogs that win on this slate. Now, whether or not they put up a lot of points, that's a different story. But it, it, I could I could see Emiev beating Madalena wrestling. I could see Kang wrestling and not getting knocked out by Dana. Mashate is kind of you know Steve Garcia is no no one to trust. So Mashate could win, knock out, something like that. Jake Matthews, you know, could take Fialo down. Ling, Ling, Liang Na possibly should be the favorite in this fight against Silvana Gomez-Juarez. Pasquale, and, and I mean, Edwards is nothing to, to write home about. And Pasquale, not a good fighter, but she has takedowns. Joanna uh, is a former champion. And obviously, Joanna Weili could be a very close fight. Uh, Glover could obviously, you know, take Jiri down and submit him. Malcoon spam takedowns against Allen. Kulabau has enough durability, maybe, and, and punching power, maybe can he possibly knock out Choi. Uh, I mean, I could, I could see a lot of underdogs winning on this slate. Now, on a slate where not many under, if, you, if, if you're on the other side of the spectrum, if you go, I'm not sure if there's any dogs that win, then it's more concerning about what Shevchenko's score is going to be. Okay, so under understand that. Okay, so if we don't have any, let's say for instance, no under one underdog, but we got one Liang Nao is the only underdog that wins. Now the only way to get like six hundred plus points in your lineup 
is you want six winners, the six highest, you know, the highest scoring winners. So in order to get not in your lineup and then five favorites, you probably don't, you can't use Shevchenko. So if Shevchenko doesn't beat out Joy, Allen, Jerry, you know, people underneath them, she ain't making the optimal lineup in a situation where only one dog wins. I mean, we could even run them, right? Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's run it. I'm going to take out, and that's, let's use that exact situation. I'm going to take out an, all the dogs other than the not to use that as an example. I'm going to use Glover as an example because anyone is an example, but let's just say not. I think she's going to be a popular, popular underdog play. Okay. And then we try to make lineups with nah there. So let's see. Can we make a, can we make a ton? I'm going to put 300. Uh, build. I don't even think we can make that many. If a lot, nah is the lowest scoring. Right, you can't even you can't even fit you can't even fit Shevchenko in, right? That's too cheap, right? That that's the, you know like who's the highest price guy you could even fit in? Brendan Allen, one lineup. Okay, so this this is a perfect example of like Shevchenko can't fit into these lineups. Let's just say, let's say that that uh, Glover, so he's cheaper, seventy three hundred, right? So we're gonna take out Nah. Okay, and let's see what combinations. If he was the only underdog that won, we're going to start trying to build lineups. 30 lineups. Only 30 lineups exist like that, and Shevchenko's in none of them. Oh, I also have Kopp in there. Okay, I got to get I gotta get rid of uh, the guy. That, okay, we got to get rid of him. So that's two less lineups. So it should be 28 lineups. Yeah, here we go. 28 combinations. None of them with Shevchenko, right? The high, you get four Choi lineups. So it's very hard. Can Shevchenko be in a lineup with only one underdog? Let's do it this way. Let's use groups to experiment, okay? So I'm going to take out Cop, take out Fontarine for now. And I'm going to make a group with all the dogs, okay, to make this a little, a little bit easier on ourselves. So let me get this uh, on this, my other screen. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna make it just to make a group with all the dogs. Right, even even Emiev, who's you know eight thousand or whatever. Emiev, Kang. Where's Kang? What happened to Young Ho Kang? He should be in there, right? Young Ho Kang. Young, okay, that's better than Kang. Uh, Kang Mashate, Jake Matthews, Liang Na. Ramona, Ramona Pasquale, Joanna, Joanna Glover, Malcoon, Kulabau, and Santos. Okay. So let's say, I'm just going to say, use exactly one, right, of these players. Just one underdog in your lineup. Okay. How many lineups exist with one underdog that has Shevchenko in it, a lock, lock Shevchenko. Not like none, because <laughs> you can't play Santos, right? So even with Kulabau, let, let, let me just take a look. Can you play, let's see, Shevchenko? I mean, it's kind of weird that I can't make any. I don't know if this is a lineup HQ error. Let's say you have Kulabau as your only, yeah, yeah, you can't do this, right? Because 
all the favorites would be Delamere, Dana, $8,400. Yeah, you'd be $100 short. When you can play Emiev in this lineup, I mean, that's that's the second underdog. But yeah, it's 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 impossible. I mean, essentially, you'd have to stack with Santos. So on a slate where only one underdog wins, Shevchenko, it's quite possible Shevchenko, even with 130 points, doesn't even make the optimal. On a slate where only one dog wins. So let's do two now. Okay, so I'm going to lock Shevchenko in. I'm going to go to back to my player groups. And I'm going to say, you know, two, two dogs, right? Exactly two. So two dogs win. Now, I don't know what their scores are, right? It, I mean, that, that may matter. But let's, let's run lineups now with Shevchenko in and two dogs. We're going to get a plenty. We're going to get a, a bunch of lineups. But what do these lineups look like? Most are going to spend a lo- most of the salary. There's also, we had our salary minimum as as nothing. It says, so we could we could leave tons of money on the table. But exactly two dogs. This is going to run about three hundred lineups. I think there, there should be more combinations of that. But a lot of these lineups are going to have two very low dogs. Okay, so let's run 300. We got 300 run. It's going to pop out. Okay. So we take a look at salary high and low. Let's see, salary high to low. Okay. So here we go. So you got Shevchenko, Edwards, Gomez, Juarez, Fialio, then Joanna and Malkoon in this lineup. So you're getting a lot of Mid-range, you pretty much can't use like Emiev. You're barely getting as the, as the second underdog. You're barely getting any Choi or Allen, right? It's very hard to play Shevchenko and then another nine K fighter. But let's look at these Jiri lineups, okay? Valentina, Jiri, Steve Garcia, Della Madalena. Like, don't play that. This is a dupe lineup. This is going to be duped a million times. A million or whatever. Like that's what I would suggest. You know, people essentially the two main event. If you're playing two main event fighters, especially Valentina plus Jiri, you're dramatically decreasing the amount of combinations that are available. And then especially when you put in a forty percent on Steve Garcia and a twenty to thirty percent, thirty plus percent on Della Madalena. Like if we could take a look on the combo calculator, right? We go on the combo calculator now. Let let's let's take a look at that. So if we wanted to play these these fighters, let's say we wanted to lock in Shevchenko, Yuri, Steve Garcia, and Della Madalena. Like you have seventy four fifty. Like how many combos? I mean, this is this is stupid. Like how many combos could there possibly be? Ten. There's ten combos of of those fighters. And if we just even, I think Della Madalena is going to be higher than 25% owned. But even if we just go by this, 49, 46, 41, 25. 49, 46, 41, 25. And we have 10 combinations. Like, look how much, what's the average dupes in the, in the large field GPP? 76. 
do not play this line. This combination could could encapsulate 2% of all the entries in the contest. Now, can you play this type of lineup possibly in the 555? Yes. It's a very chalky lineup, but you still can. These are the things that you should be you should be concerning yourself about on an eleven fight card more than who's going to win the fights. What combinations do I not use? Those one on those one underdog type of lineups. I'm not sure if there's any that are, that are going to be unique, unless you're unless it's a weird like a fight stack type of thing that that barely anyone does. But even if you play, let's say we take away Della Maddalena, and we just have the top three, 49, 46, 41, these three. How many combinations? Average remaining salary is only 7,700, so I'm not even sure that we could even build 300 combinations of that. If we just have those, those three fighters up here. Let's see, what combination? That, that could be about 9% of the total contest entries. 26 combinations. This is even with leaving money on the table. Like, look, here's a 49-4 line because you can't leave. How much money can you leave on the table? You're spending a lot of it up top. So 26 lineups, right? We put in 26 combinations. Average dupes, 117. So to me, this is a recipe for, if you, especially if you're playing large field GPPs, to just put Valentina Shevchenko, Yuri Prashaska, and Steve Garcia in a group and say max two. I mean, you could do max one, but definitely max two. I think, look look how many combinations. There's only 26 combinations available when you have these three fighters in your line. Like, look, even in the 555, you, you're most likely going to be duped once. And that's only a 400-person contest. So I would scrap this, this combination in, in pretty much in any, in any contest, other than you know, cash games, sure. That would be the combination you play in double, right? Don't play a cash lineup in GPPs. So that's what I like doing. It's not necessarily like who who's underowned, who's overowned. Like on my sheet, the first one of the first things I do, especially uh, you know Friday night, Saturday morning, is just go through the combinations that I should be avoiding. Those high owned combinations. So Chevchenko, Prashovska, Prashov, whatever, Jerry, Steve Garcia. But you see that if not many underdogs win, Shevchenko needs to put up a godly amount of points to be optimal. Now, let's think of it the other way around. And this is what I mentioned on the Ground and Pound podcast. What happens if a lot of underdogs win? Okay, let's say four underdogs win and put up a score that is decent enough, right? So let's go back to player groups. And let's force in four underdogs, okay? Now, obviously, you can make a lot more lineups with four underdogs because you, you're leaving money on the table a lot. So if I'm going to run four underdog lineups, let's, let's uh, okay, the median, Shevchenko's median projection is the highest, and, it's, and it should be. Okay, so we're going to run 300 lineups, and we're forcing in four underdogs. Okay, so even at the at the worst case scenario, like if we just played the four highest priced dogs, we would still have ninety three hundred remain. If we're playing the four highest priced dogs, you could still play Shevchenko 
and Allen in that lineup. You couldn't play Shevchenko and Choi. That's the only combination that you couldn't play. Right? So the fact that you can play Shevchenko even with the four highest priced dogs means that any lineup with four dogs in it, other than this one with Choi, you could fit Valentina in. Right? You're not going to be locked out. So look what happens when we do that. Okay? So we're forcing in four dogs into our lineups. And I'm going to build 300 and let it run. If you have any questions, feel free to type them in the YouTube chat. Give me those thumbs up. I know Swalf Dab is here. No, Swalf Dab. On Fridays, we talk about MMA. UFC DFS on this show. You can find out everything you want about MLB later today on Grinders Live. Crunch Time, which is free, presented by FanDuel. Obviously, you subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium. You get all the projections and all. The cheese is good, right? It's million-dollar musings. You get the grind down. You get everything. You get everything you want. If you want the, if you want the baseball stuff, especially this early, I would suggest subscribing to Roto Grinders Combo Premium or just Baseball Premium. This is, this is kind of like the free MMA content. Okay, so look. I ran 300 lineups, forcing in four dogs. Valentina comes up in 94% of the lineups. Okay. And if we take a look at the, okay, I, I sorted by, I don't want just the Prochaska lineup. Go by salary, high to low. There's only two $50,000 lineups that exist like right? All these lineups leave money on the table, right? So I built 300 lineups. Only two use the entire salary, even though they still contain Valentina Shevchenko. And then we have the lowest lineups out of the top 300 names, leaves 2,500 on the table. That's Santos in it. Santos, Pasquale, let's see, can we find ones? Here's one, leaves 2,100 on the table, has two main event fighters, Valentina Shevchenko and Glover Teixeira. That's Steve Garcia, Pyong Ho Kang, Pasquale Malcoon. I, based on the inside the distance lines, I can't put it past. I, this lineup leaves 2,100 on the table, and I don't think this is a crazy lineup. This really isn't. A, it really isn't. If you told me that this was the optimal lineup and all these guys you know, put up 100 points, I, I, I would not be shocked at all. And it includes a $9,600 fighter because all Valentina in the case where there are three plus underdogs, but definitely four plus in the case, there are four plus underdogs that win. All Valentina needs to do is put up a top three score in raw points. That's it. With three dogs winning, Top three could be fine. Top two would be better. She doesn't have to put up the highest score. People are going to say, oh, she's going to have to put up the highest score. No, she doesn't. Just in raw points, she may be fine. So let's say, for instance, Choi puts up, like, out of, out of these, out of these four, we'll go by the top four, Shevchenko puts up uh, the third highest score. Out of these, out of these four, or let, let's just she puts up the she beats out two of these. So let's say Jiri puts up one hundred five, 
Allen puts up 112 against Malcoon. Choi puts up like 98 and doesn't matter. And Shevchenko puts up 107, right? So Shevchenko beats out Prashaska, doesn't beat out Allen. But then what happens if Liang Na has 110 points? What happens if Jake Matthews has 100 points? What happens if Prashaska doesn't win? Well, what happens if Glover wins? So now that knocks out one of these guys. So Shevchenko could have the second or third highest score, but she's in the top six of scoring. So as long as she's in the top six of score, you're going to just need her raw points. Because the winning lineup is going to leave money on the table anyway. So the extra $500 ain't going to matter if if, if underdogs win and Valentina is at least in in the top six scores. She's going to be the optimal lineup. If you get, if if three to four underdogs make the optimal lineup for the hundred plus score, you're going to want the highest raw points for the rest of your lineup. And the likelihood of Valentina putting up the highest raw points on the slate, especially now that Cop's gone, so that removes one other favorite, is very high. So now, if you're building lineups with only one dog, only two dogs, yeah, I could I could see the the logic. Of like she really needs to significantly beat out Joy, Alan, Jerry, and all the people below her. But in the case where underdogs win a lot on this slate, Valentina could have 103 points and still make the optimal lineup as long as she's a top six fighter on the slate. And there's only 11 fights. This was a 15 fight card. That'd be different. But what are the chances of Valentina being a top six scorer on an 11 fight card? Pretty high, regardless of the salary. So I just want to highlight that. Now, of course, on the Grinder Punk podcast, Liam has an even, you know, one hell of a take. He's he's better than Santos on the fight. You know, you could watch you go go watch that. Uh, he thinks the the line should be not as wide as it is with with Shevchenko. But if all the metrics and all the all the betting lines are concerned, Shevchenko is 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 the best raw point play on the slate. Grant Brown asked, do you mind showing, discussing how you're simming MMA outcomes? I heard you mention it a few times that I haven't sat down to build it yet. Uh, I can't show it to you because I do pretty much set it all up manually. I am awful in Excel, okay? Now, I'm better than the average person. I have to do everything. I have to cut and paste and do things. It takes me a long time. I don't sim each slate out. I don't because it would take too long for me to do. It's something that every, you know, two months or something, I'll go back. I'll have the CSV from a previous slate and go, okay, let me put this all together, right? And it could take me three to four hours just to put together in order to simulate something. And typically something I screwed up somewhere. And then it takes me three or four hours to fix that, to figure out what, what's wrong. Why these results aren't coming out correctly. So there's, there's no way for me to show it. I, all I do is I do experiments. I don't sim out slates. So I, I do an exp- I do an experiment of, uh, you know, the, the R based on certain static scores, you know, depending on the odds, the probability based on the closing line odds. I add a modifier for the projection, you know, on deci- this person in decision wins scores a little bit more than others. And then I have like, what are the pay? What's first place? And what's the split of it? And then I'll just run the lineups based on those probabilities. 
then I could see the buckets. I could see users. I could just do it by user. Take someone else's 150 lineups. I could remove my 150 lineups and replace that with whatever. I could recreate lineups. And then just run it through and then see what I find. So I'm not in, I'm not, I'm not simulating like slates like like today's, like for tomorrow's car. It would take me too long to do. Take me. It would take anyone else probably much, much shorter. But me, I have to cut and paste. I have 17 sheets. I'm cross-referencing stuff. And then the the cell numbers change. So I have to manually change all that. It's it's off. It's off. That's why I only do it every every so often, just to experiment. I'll take the past couple of cards and go, okay. You know, running this, running that, what, what, what's the simulated ROI based on my awful methodology to begin with? It's very flawed. So I'm not, I'm not separating fighters into buckets of outcomes. I'm just doing it purely based on the betting lines. And then I'm adding a modifier to, to you know, for, their, for their, their standard deviation. Like grappling heavy fighters are going to score more in decision wins than a, you know, a, a, a KO artist, a guy that, that doesn't do much. So it has to account for that somehow. And then I run it and see what the scores are, right? And I try to make it as wide as possible because I think a lot of, like, if you're going by median projection in MMA, I, th- you, I think you should just throw it out. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's how little I think uh, uh, projections, normal distribution-oriented projections are in MMA. That if you see a normal distribution projection for any fighter, I just threat you. It's useless. I think it's literally useless. I just throw it out. But I feel very similarly in PGA as well. The golfers don't have two normal distribution any anywhere close to normal distributions of their outcomes. So, like we could see here, it's like, oh, Shevchenko, her median is ninety-one. Here's the choice: seventy-one, seventy-three. These distributions don't look normal at all. Della Maddalena has a median of fifty-eight. Does he score 58? I mean, like, none of these none of these fighters score these points. You're going to see a, a heavy, heavily bimodal, wobbly, very wobbly, not barely even bimodal. You'll see bumps and humps and tails, right? Shevchenko is going to have a long tail in the top, very short in the, in the beginning. She doesn't score. She rarely scores zero to five points. You'll see Whaley. Whaley may have the most normal distribution, or Joanna, like that fight, is the most normally distributed fight. And that's not even normally distributed. So, I mean, that's that's the problem I find with projections in MMA. And on top of it, the fight data you're using, very small sample sizes. And prone, and prone to overfitting. So I, I, I find that projecting MMA across the entire industry uh, is very, very flawed. Is it better than nothing? Sure, yes. But I think I'd much rather go by by betting lines. Like, if you're going to go by betting lines and then maybe use the median projection as a, like a small, like, okay, just to have like the win probabilities and something in there, I could see that. So like, I do use the median projections from three different sources, but only to basically stabilize the range of all the prices of fighting. It doesn't count for that much. Because obviously fighters that, but on average, more expensive fighters win more often. And typically they have higher inside the distance odds. 
right? So most likely I'm not going to find a $7,200 fighter that's going to rate out as the highest rated play on the slate better than, than high price fighters. They don't win as often. So I'm much more likely to go by, by betting lines than by median projections that are normally distributed. If you can make projections with the fight data that aren't normally distributive, then you're, you're more, you're, you're closer. You're, you're closer to, to, to what it should be. But even then, I think there's so much noise and so much not missed context in fight data that like, look, look at Jacob Malcoon, for instance, past first fight, gets deaded by Phil Hawks and gets zero points. I mean, he lost in 18 seconds to Phil Hawks, got knocked out. Then the past two fights, uh, who did he fight? That? He fought Dobson recently. Then before that, oh, oh, oh Razak Alassane, who basically has no no ground game. So Malcoon just goes and just spams takedowns. But he doesn't do much. He does. He's not, he's not really a threat to on the feet. And he's really not that much of a submission. He's not really that much of a submission threat. He is a submission threat on the ground. It's just that he doesn't have much power on the ground. So he just holds you down. So like the past two fights, he's gotten what? Six and eight takedowns and just lays on top of you pretty much. And stalls. Doesn't really do much because he could, he could easily be controlled by the, he could easily be reversed. That type of thing. So he just did that for two fights. And he scored 117, 131. In those two fights and a de- in decision wins. But that's those are the only three fights we have from Dave on him. That's it. You have one fight where he, he got zero points, landed nothing, got knocked out in 18 seconds. The other two fights he just laid on top of people. And one and two two people that aren't that aren't grapplers. Right? Dobson's a big guy. But Al Razaka's Alasan, once you take him down, he doesn't do anything on the ground. So, like, how much. How do you regress that? Tell me how you regress that. Three fights worth of data. I don't know how you can. Is Malcoon going to take Allen down? Well, I mean, that's that's his path to victory, if anything. He's not going to survive on the feet. Is he going to have success against Brendan Allen? He's not going to have as much success as he did against Razak Al-Hassan. Probably not even as much as he had against Dobson. Allen actually can wrestle. So like, yeah, he could spam takedowns and get nothing, right? Or he could try and get reversed. Or Allen just knocks him the hell out. Malcoon comes in for a takedown, a couple of takedowns, doesn't get him, comes in for, you know, his fourth attempt, gets uppercut, kneed or whatever, and gets knocked out. Then he's sitting there and Malcoon is sitting there with, uh, you know, three points or something. And you're like, well, based on the past two fights, his range of outcomes, he has a really high ceiling. And like, how could you, how could you take away from that in two fights with different context? This is not fighting Al Razak Al Hassan. You know, you're not fighting him. That's the point about all these projections: is that you know, extrapolating, extrapolating a, 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 a simulating ten thousand outcomes with three fights worth of data where you have matchup issues I don't, I don't i can't see how that's not flawed it's something sure but it's flawed like look at della madalena you look at his last fight he scored what 115 or something knockdown knockout first round 
That was his, that's his only UFC fight. Now, if you go back to, to, to previous to that, he's not a grappler, right? He stands on his feet and he's a prospect, yes. He's only plus 265 to win inside the distance. And he's a good money line for his price at 8,200. But if he's going to be like 30% owned, I mean, against Emiev, like what's the ceiling of this fight? But his median projection looks good, right? So you're like, oh, well, he's a good median projection. Like, well, what's the chances of him putting up 100, 100 plus points? I don't know, other than a first round knockout. But it's not like Emiev is, 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 he's durable. And Emiev is going to go for takedowns and stall the fight and clinch and whatever. So if Madalena doesn't get anything in the first round, he's dead. But he's going to be high owned. At least Steve Garcia wrestles a bunch. So he could get some, he could, there's a nice, there's ways to get points. You get 25 points around three times and you're good. But like Della Madalena, like we take a look at Della Madalena versus someone else. I mean, like, Versus Kyung Ho Kang, like these medians are close, but they're two totally different styles of fighters. And the data they have in the in the back are against different guys, data from even, even people that have, uh, you know, fought 12 UFC fights. Well, some of those fights are from eight years ago. And then sometimes you look and it's like, okay, they, they have 12 fights and 10 out of the 12 fights are against were are against fighters that ended up being cut from the UFC. Then some other guy has 12 fights and 10 of their fights are against people that are title contenders or champions. And you look and it's like, oh, he has eight out of 12 losses in his past 12. Yeah, he's fighting, he's fighting, he's fighting for titles. He's fighting the top two guys in the division. This other person has 10 fights and eight of them are against people that aren't even in the UFC anymore. So how do you take that data and you go, okay, now I can make a, a range of outcomes between these two fighters and it ha- have it not be noisy. So these normally distributive style projections for MMA are absurdly flawed in my opinion. I'd much ra- I'd, I'd, I'd be more likely to optimize based on inside the distance probability than by a median projection. Of course, the flaw in that is that you're going to miss out on grappling heavy fighters that go to decision, right? So like Jake Matthews for the for one, one instance, plus 405 inside the distance. Not very good, right? But Fialio, I mean, he's not known for, he has no ground game. You could probably take Fialio down and keep him down. Now, Fialio on the feet could light him up. Right, Jake Matthews he get, could get hurt really bad on the feet. But if Matthews gets the fight to the ground at 7,700, Matthews could score 100 points, could, could legitimately score 100 points in a decision win. Fialio, the way to score 100 points is he needs a knockout in the first round pretty much. Maybe the second round. He's not going to get grappling points. He's not going to get it. He's just getting striking points. So like the, these medians, it's like, yeah, Fialio has a median of 65 in our projections. Matthews has a median of 46. Here's a, 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 he has a 46 because a lot of outcomes are him getting five points because he got knocked out in the first round. He missed, he didn't get a takedown and he gets killed in the first round. And then that's a lot of Fialio's outcomes. If he kills uh, Matthews in the first round, 
He has a lot of 100, 110 point scores. If he doesn't get him out in the first round, he has a lot more 70s, 75s, or losses, or he or he ends up with with 18 points and a loss. And Matthews ends up with 98 points. So like you're looking at like medians, like you we're not talking about scores that even exist in these ranges. Liang Na, 55 median. Like the, in what world does she score? 50? Yeah, she'll score 55 in a loss, possibly, in a decision loss. Liang Na doesn't score 55 in a win. That median doesn't mean anything. It's a bimodal outcome. That, that median, there's not much in that bucket in that range. So to, to, to use these median projections as a way of just going, no, okay, I'm going to go here. Let's see. Let's, uh, we got everyone up here and just go, okay. Let me compare, like do do what we 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 do for for others, like NBA. I'm going to build 20 lineups with our current ownership projections, right? If, let's say I'm going to build 20 lineups, I'm going to get rid of the player props, right? Let me disable this. Build rules one or whatever. Like you know, build 20. Let's see. Let's just build 20 based on median projections. And obviously not stacking the fight. Okay. So the top projected lineup is Shevchenko, Jerry, Garcia, Kang, Na, Pascal. Now, obviously this lineup is going to be duped. So it's not necessarily I would want to want to play it. But like out of these 20 lineups to do that exercise of like, okay, I'm looking to play, I'm looking to play three lineups, right? And single entry or something and go, okay, 200 at 403. Well, this is a little bit higher owned and has a lower projection. So let's get rid of it. Right, get rid of this. We need to be 200, 183. Okay, can we beat 183? Right, we go by this 183. Anything in the top 20, 183.30. Well, like we could have used that one. Or anything better than 183. That may be the best lineup in the top 20. So let's get rid of all them below. Right, so we'd say that, oh, this lineup for their projection. I'm saving 17 points in ownership and two points in projection. But then you look at this lineup. It's Shevchenko, Jerry, Allen, Na, Pasquale, Joanna. This is going to be duped. Uh, just, you're not going to play this anyway. Right? So let's say we set we set a, an ownership number. Let's say, let me show you the top 20 lineups that are, have a max lineup ownership of 160. Right? It's kind of how we think in terms of like NBA or even MLB. And go, okay. Compared to the projection, this median projection, 160, 159, 159, get rid of that, 156, anything that could be 156. Because as we're going down, we should have a lower, lower ownership, right? We sacrifice projection, we should have lower ownership. 156, 157, 154, 158. Can we be 150, 151? 144, 148. So we'd look here and go, okay, what about these lines? Okay, a little bit less duplication. Probably do it's a 50,000 lineup on an 11 fight card. This is probably duped more than five times anyway. So you have to consider that on top of anything. But if we go down and you go, okay, well, I'm going to play these lines. This one's 373 projection, 144% ownership. It's Jerry, Edwards, Gomez, Juarez, Dana, Emiev. Joanna, much less owned. Okay, so I, I don't mind this. But it's like this projection number doesn't mean anything. 
Like, great. Joselyn Edwards has a 66-point median projection. If I told you that I could guarantee you that Edwards has 90 points, would you take it? No. You're probably not going to win with 90 points at 8,700. So who cares what the median is? She's more likely, like Edwards is more likely to score 70 to 80 points, more so than, than Gomez Juarez, more so than, than Fialio, truthfully. Like Edwards or Wei Li or something like, like over here. Like Whaley and Edwards on this slate are going to be low owned in this range. Low enough. I mean, not like 2% owned. They'll probably be around maybe 16 to 20 in this range. The problem with Whaley and Edwards is that these are like the lowest ceiling fights, most likely going the distance and most likely not going to, not going to be grappling. So barring a first round knockout, like, yes, if, if you, if you want to have the best chance of getting like 75 points in your lineup, Whaley and Edwards are fine, which is represented in their median projection. But their median projection is much more normal, right? Their projection is more normally just, it's not, it's still bimodal, but it's still, there's a lot more outcomes closer to their median. There's a lot more outcomes between, you know, 45 and 50 and 80, right? 50 and a loss, 80 and a win for Wiley and Edwards. But you don't care about either result. You don't want results in that near there. You want results that, you know, you take a look at uh, at Silvana Gomez Juarez and you're like, well, look at Gomez Juarez. She's a meeting of 65. Edwards meeting 66. Wiley meeting 65. But they're all about the same. But Gomez Juarez's projection, range of outcomes, is much wider, right? Wei Li and Edwards, 50 to 80, a lot more bulk of outcomes in that 50 to 80. Well, Silvana Gomez Juarez has a lot more 100-point outcomes and 20-point outcomes. But the middle ground is still 65. So, like, if you just go by median projections, you'll, you'll, you'll miss that. Silvana Gomez Juarez has a higher standard deviation based on how the how the betting lines of the fights plus 180 inside the distance Lana is plus 160 this 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 women's fight the second fight on the on the card low level women's mma has about the same odds of finishing inside the distance as the main event between jury prohaska and glover Teixeira, which is going to be a fast fight okay so the second most likely fight to get a finish is this low-level women's MMA fight, which is very odd for a slate. But that means that, like, these median projections, like, the, the if you want to go by just uh, a concept, the more, the, the higher the odds are that the fight goes to decision, the more narrow the outcomes are. The more likely the fight doesn't go to decision, the wider the range of outcomes. Right, one guy scores a lot of points; the other guy scores very little because the fight ends quick. The fight goes three rounds. Like this Whaley Yoana fight is the most likely to go the distance in three rounds. So that fifty to eighty, especially when neither of them Whaley may implement some takedowns, but I I doubt it. Yoana has great take, takedown defense. 
So yeah, barring a first round knockout, the, the range of the range of the bulk of the range of outcomes are going to be between 50 and 80. And in GPP, what do I care about those? I don't what do I yeah, maybe I could uh, 80 at for the underdog. Maybe, 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 maybe that could be optimal. Maybe. But definitely not for the favorite. That's why in the expert survey, I said Wei Lee is going to is the one that I'm going to have the least of. And even Jocelyn Edwards. The only difference between Wei Lee and Edwards is that Wei, Wei Lee is facing Joanna, your Jacek, Jacek, however you pronounce it. And Jocelyn Edwards is facing Ramona Pasquale, who's hard. So it's more it's more likely. I mean, if Jocelyn Edwards plus three twenty, Pasquale plus four hundred five. Like, if anyone is going to get finished in the first round, I I could see, I could see the Edwards Pascal fight being shorter. But neither fight I'm looking to target all that much. But just based on the inside the distance lines, that's not the median projection is going to look the same. Fialio has the same median projection. Steve Garcia has about the same median projection. Steve Garcia is sixty six. These, these, but drastically different inside the distance lines. So yes, the median is 65, but not a bulk of the outcomes aren't around the median. The bulk of the outcomes are over here. It just so happens that 65 is the middle of these sets of outcomes. There's just one long way of saying the median projections. Don't, don't worry about it. Kickstart, would averaging their ceiling projection and median projection on line of HQ maybe give you more of an idea who has a more realistic chance of getting over 100 points? No, because the whole range of outcomes is normally distributed. Like going by ceiling, like, look, if we go by ceiling, I'm going to switch over to the ceiling projections. And it's not just, it's not just roto-grinders. This is, all, this is how projections are done throughout the entire industry. So look, the, here, here are the ceiling projections. Yes, Wiley and Edwards are, 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 are lower, right? But some of these are just laughable because they're still normally distributed. Like they're not that dramatically different, but they should be dramatically different. Jack Della Maddalena at 106 doesn't, if, if we say the ceiling projection is like the 80th percentile outcome, I'm not sure how many, how many past 20 percentile outcomes is 106. I think it's much, much smaller than that because these aren't normal distributions. So these ceiling projections are still normal, part of a normal distribution curve. So it's not just median projections, it's also the ceiling projections. The, the, the distribution of outcomes for Jang Whaley and Jiri Prashaska are dramatically different. Dramatically, all you know, just Wei Li and Silvana Gomez Juarez in this fight, and it's also in this fight. It's not just her. If Silvana Gomez Juarez was facing Ramona Pasquale, she'd have a different range of outcomes. But she's facing Liang Na, who's a very aggressive, grappling, you know, one round or bust submission type. So it depends on the fight. Madel Della Madalena versus a different opponent may have a different range of outcomes. Fialio and Matthews, if Fialio was facing another striker again, Fialio would have a much better, much higher upside range of outcomes. Like, so the matchup matters. So like, that's why these normal distributions, they just, it, that's why it, I don't really, I use them as a, as a stabilizing method for the pricing. 
But other than that, I don't care that much about it. I care about how often do they score 100 plus points. That that's it. I don't care what them 80 points doesn't do anything for me. How often how often did these fighters score 100 plus? No matter what their price is. I don't care. All 6600, she gets a 65, I don't care. So this is the reason why I set up my sheet this way. But if I would care about anything, yes, it would be a ceiling projection. But the ceiling projection should be dramatically different from fighter to fighter. Like you don't even want the you don't even want an 80th percentile. You want a you want a how often do they get a fifth percent? Like, like what is that? Like you want almost a probability, not an actual number. How often do they score at least a hundred points in a simulation that is not normally distributed? No, no projections do that. And the most correlative metric to 100 plus point scores are, are, are the ITD lines. I know they're not perfect, but they're the, they're, they, are, they are more correlative than anything that I've, I could find of any metric, of any fight data, mixing anything I can together. Simulate, I've, I've, I've seen other people's sims. And that, those fight data simulations don't, don't come, you just go by, go by a 50 plus slate sample and plot inside the distance versus 100 plus point scores, it's the, it has the highest odds out of anything that I could find. So in the long run, I don't see why, why I'm not using that. Rather than trying to simulate fights, punch by punch or something. There's just so much, like there's just so much insane variance. There's 10 times more variance in MMA than there is in PGA. And PGA, there's a ton of variance. There may be more variance in MMA than there is in MLB. And that's a ton of variance. I don't think a lot of these projections take that into account. Much, much higher variance. Especially with the smaller sample sizes. Oh, you got three fights worth of data. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could regress that. Get out of here. Get out of here. But now it's time for you to get out of here. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got shows later today for baseball. Right, MLB Grinders Live with Dean and the guys. We got Roth update all the. I don't know what's going on with weather today in baseball, but he'll update you on that in crunch time. Uh, if you want more on MMA, uh, go subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium. All all of the MMA content, other than what you've just seen right now, is uh, is for premium members only. You get the the Ground and Pound podcast with me, Mike H three Buddha, Liam Liam picks fights. We did a two-hour breakdown with DFS strategy. Bet, uh, Liam goes over some betting stuff. Mike throws his his, his uh, opinions in. It's a, it's a it's a good watch, good listen. Mostly you should listen. Listen to the RG app or something. Uh, then we got the uh, Mike's breakdowns, H3 Buddha's breakdown. Got the expert survey, uh, Squirrel Patrol. Maybe 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 we'll have a contrarian take article. I don't know. I'm not I'm not tied in the loop. A lot of times on the pay per view cards, he does one a little article on that. So if you want all of that, and also you want to be part of uh, my 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 Discord, right? The Roto Grinders Discord. I have my own channel. It's called Blender's Game Theory, right? We just talk about DFS strategy in there, and I also do coaching calls. So the next coaching call on Zoom, where you can just get on Zoom and talk with me with whatever the hell you want, uh, live audio, video, whatever, is uh, Sunday Sunday afternoon. So Sunday afternoon at three p.m. Eastern. So if you subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium by clicking on the link in the description, getting $10 off your first month, 
You could take part in that. I post a link five minutes before. We get like 10, a lot of times it's 10 to 15 people on Zoom. It's like, anyone got anything that you want to discuss? And I get one-on-one. It's one-on-one coach in a group set. And I do that typically three or four times a month now. So join that, join the Discord, uh, hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. And uh, and well, good, good. Don't dupe me, right? Good luck in MMA, but don't dupe me. And I'll see you back on Monday. Answering your DFS strategy questions like I always do on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>